You got it locked, Frank? Locking the phone. Okay, I think we're we're recording now. Um, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes Jacked podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Flatiger. And I'm a co-host, Frank Lewandowski III. And I'm another co-host, Brandon Lawrence. So today, uh, the subject is kind of, well, it's, it's pretty rough one. We're talking about death, dying, kind of grief. Some topics that we've covered before with other guests, but we haven't specifically just sat down, just the hosts, and, and really went into these uh, topics. And some stuff's kind of gone down over the last few weeks, uh, whether it be some of my experiences, Frank's experiences, uh, just even Brandon, like some, some things that we've seen. And so we decided to kind of speak to the subject. So, uh, Brandon, if you kind of want to lead off. Well, obviously, we've got a lot of tragedy ongoing with the, the pandemic and, and just seeing just kind of unfortunate and, and unnecessary deaths ongoing. And then recently, uh, I think more importantly, what, what triggered our um, conversation here is, is two events that the, the two of you guys went through. I think it'd be important just to, to touch on on these kind of personal stories that you know, has affected your guys' lives. And then we can kind of go into some of the generalized um, stories that we have about, you know, work and, and life in general. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I mean, I can kind of lead off. I spoke to it in a Instagram post uh, that I also posted to to our YouTube for anyone who's listening and keeping up. But um, so, yeah, I'm the dean of students at a Title I high school in near downtown Phoenix. And, you know, we've if you work in education, you have students that come through your school, that come through, you know, all different grades and ages, they come and they go, and you hear sometimes the student's going to pass away. But typically, they're not currently enrolled in the school as well. No matter what, it's, it's just awful. Um, but we actually had a student, we lost a student, he was only 16 years old. He was still enrolled in our school when it happened. He was about to start school the first day. And um, he was actually shot. There was a shooting and all we've kind of found out is that it was just a random drive-by shooting. Um, one of my good and close friends actually works that beat for Phoenix PD. And uh, he was able to tell me that they think that there's been multiple of those types of shootings that they've seen, uh, quite a few of them. And so he went to the hospital and he wound up dying at the hospital. And I recently, a couple of days ago, we went to his open wake. Um, and it was just really rough, man. It's just kind of like when you first hear the news, you know, you're kind of like, oh, wow, that's, it's awful. It's just, it's shocking. And then, but when you see the body and you just see all, like everyone that's affected, a bunch of students were there, his, his, you know, his mother was there. Um, it was really, it was just really sad. It just always gives you kind of a shock, you know, because you're just looking at someone so young, no matter what, when you pass, it's sad. Uh, but especially at 16, it's like, that's just too young, man. Like I think about when I was 16 and it's just, it's awful. And so, one of the really cool things is our school. Um, a lot of the faculty came together and we were able to uh, get quite a, like a lot of money put together for uh, his funeral. Uh, he's actually going to be buried down in Mexico. He kind of just had the, like a ceremony here in Phoenix and then he's going to go because uh, his um, dad had passed away in Mexico as well. So, but it was good. It was really cool to see people kind of rally around a really sad moment like that, but be able to come together it's kind of like reminds me of another post i had put out on instagram a few days ago it was like uh in 2018 i think americans had privately donated like 327 billion dollars you know and, and it just speaks to people really innately kind of do come together in these tragic situations to give and that was kind of what happened uh in, like my personal experience the last two weeks that kind of gave me some thought provoking 
provocation on this topic? I think it's just hard anytime you see death, let alone when you see a life taken so early, because that that poor guy at 16 didn't even get to experience many of the joys of life. And I cannot imagine how that rippled down through his family. It'll be forever changed. So hopefully, um, yeah, I don't know what can be learned from it. But. Hey, real fast, when you said there was other shootings like this, what what did you mean, like other kids or like the manner in which he was shot? Yeah, um, so what we've kind of heard is that in that same area of uh, Pocket of Phoenix, there's been a similar drive-by shootings in apartment complexes um, that they're kind of linking. They're seeing a, like a pattern of this type of shooting and this type of uh, kind of the thing. So they're trying to link it, I guess. I don't know um, all the details, but it's just sad, man. I mean, in that specifically, I don't want to give away too much information, but that pocket of Phoenix seems to have a lot of just awful shootings. And then, you know, who are the people who are the victims, 16 year old kids and, you know, just trying to go to school and he's just trying to walk to either leave or he, I don't know if he was coming or going, but he just gets shot randomly. It's just so unfair. Um, I, you know, that sounds more like, uh, you know, Chicago, I guess, when you think of like the news or something, but that's happening everywhere. And again, a lot of that was just, you know, when people say, you know, it wasn't that kid's choice to be, to live where he was at. He's 16, right? He was just in the place that he, you know, where his parents were at or parents or whatever. And he was probably just doing the best he could. And that was the result. So, I mean, there's not even a way you can really spin it positively at all. I mean, hopefully there's donations to his family and, and, um, you know, gun violence is talked about. Yeah. I just, it's just like horrendous. So I do have a good man segment. Eric, though. Oh, sorry. Well, hold on. Eric, how, how many students are at your school? Yeah. So we have, um, I think it was like 270 enrolled currently. So how are the, the kids there? I mean, how are they handling it? This, this is a tragic event. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's kind of rough because we're all virtual. There's no kids at the school yet. So it's really hard when something like this happens, you know, it's hard to have people rally and, you know, typically maybe if something like this happened uh, last school year, you'd be able to really come together as a, as a group of people. And it's kind of hard because none of our kids are on campus, but a lot of the students, there was a good amount that were at this um, open casket and I'll be honest. They didn't, I mean, they didn't seem to take it that well. There was a lot of just really sad, um, it was just really sad. It kind of reminded me actually when I was in high school, my senior year, one of our star football players, he actually was driving back to Phoenix from New Mexico and uh, rolled their car and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He died. I think he was, I don't even think he was 18 yet. And uh, it was like a similar, it reminded me of that. Just like, you're just shocked. You're just a kid. You're a high school kid and you just lose someone that you, you just can't believe they're, they're gone. You know, they're gone. That's done. Yeah. And the the problem with now being virtual is usually they send crisis screeners and stuff, you know, to the schools and, and have these kind of conversations with the kids about grief and loss. And this is something that, you know, probably the most of them have never experienced before. And now we're virtual. We're not in the same area. Like if they they do that logistically, it's going to be difficult to talk to each kid individually instead of having group conversations and then identifying who needs the help and then talk to them one-on-one. So I feel for I feel for these kids, man. They're not they're probably not getting the resources they need at this point. Yeah, and I mean the head of our um, social workers and school counselors and whatnot. And when we had contacted him, of course that's what we try to do. That's what we would do. We try to 
you know, kind of go district wide and rally all the people that are trained to help, but we're all virtual. And so it's just, it's, that's kind of another reason why it's really unfortunate, you know, the way things are right now for that reason, at least, you know. All right, Frank, let's do the, uh, the good man segment. My bad. I didn't mean to cut in. I was like, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Oh, uh, it's, we got just, just a note. We have a really bad delay for me. I got about a three or four second delay. So anytime we're cutting each other off, just bear with us listeners. I like the, the preface. So our good man segment is actually, uh, a six year old boy, but he's probably more man than, than most men, I would say. So this heroic boy, uh, recently became famous because he injured or he saved his little sister, a four year old. His name is uh, Bridger Walker from Wyoming and a German shepherd mix feral toward them and was going to attack the sister and he jumped in saving his sister requiring 115 stitches with which with quite a bit of damage to his face i mean he's going to definitely have scarring it looks very healed by the way but i mean just looking at the initial trauma post uh stitches i mean it's just unbelievable this kid did this you know and then he uh he cited like some superheroes which she is a superhero right so i mean what what created this heroic like behavior from him i don't know i guess it's amazing to see that there's hope yeah like where did he learn that from you know it's incredible and if if you read up on him he literally said something to the effect and i'm I'm not quoting verbatim but that he would rather have died before his four-year-old sister and that's to me in, incredibly i don't even know the term for this but uh, for, uh, precocious i guess for a six-year-old to to even have that mindset of, of protecting a four-year-old, you know, putting his life in on the line instead of hers, like that's insane. It's incredible. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, where, like, where did he learn that concept? You know, like, was it from his parents or was it from a movie? I don't know, but I mean, I just think that that's kind of speaks to the innate goodness that we kind of have in us, and uh, someone as young as him has that innocence, you know, and. I don't know. It's just crazy. That's when you got, I didn't, I didn't even know that story until you guys had told me. About yeah. It. You got to Google wow. the picture. I wanted to bring up something as well. So there's actually a picture of him in a Spider-Man uh, jacket and all the Avengers actors and actresses reached out to him wow. and told him how awesome he was. Um, like Chris Pratt, Robert Downey Jr. Um, there is a famous quote from Spider-Man cause I'm quite the, the nerd is with great power comes great responsibility. And I know it's a comic book, but I mean, I think a lot of those characters aren't the worst, you know, people to idolize as a kid. You know, I don't know. I did when I was a kid, up, so maybe that was part of it. There's a lot of good, like, archetypes in those stories. You know, they kind of, like, a lot of those stories, like comic books and superheroes, I mean, I think, at least my interpretation is they're trying to teach us things. They're trying to, like, through storytelling, that's how we've always kind of learned these concepts of good and evil and morality and whatnot. So, yeah, this kid's definitely a hero, though. Brandon, would, Brandon or Eric, would you guys have any heroes you looked up to when you were a kid maybe, that you can think of, like maybe comic book type stuff that maybe? I always like Batman. I was, I mean, it's funny. Go ahead. I was just, I just, I've always loved Batman, dude. I don't know why. I was just a huge Batman fan. I think I felt bad for him because his parents were like taken from him, even though he's like a billionaire. And then he was just like afraid of stuff, but then he conquered it and. I always thought I liked him too, just because people always made fun of him, said he wasn't a superhero, but he was, I mean, dude, he was a superhero. I mean, come on. He's the only one who could 
who knew how to like take out Superman. He carried Kryptonite in his belt. You know what I mean? So I like Batman. Brandon's a little older. Weird, so who's... I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, <laughs> I was into uh, more like sports icons instead. So like I idolized Charles Barkley, who is clearly a great role model for a what, six or seven year old boy. And uh, my mom is sitting right here. She just said that I liked, for some reason, Frank Thomas. But uh, I don't think I ever rooted for the White Sox, so I don't, I don't really know where that came from. So I was more into <laughs> that was random athlete icons, and yeah, maybe the uh, Ninja Turtles, I guess, would be another one. But other than that, yeah, classic Brandon, kind of real people. I like Charles Barkley, <laughs> which he's not a. He even <laughs> said, "I'm not a role model." <laughs> literally said i'm not a role model i drew a picture of that of charles barkley it was a really awful drawing uh and next to it it said i'm not a and it was ro model because i didn't know he said role i thought he said row model because i was like said so. he's always been transparent with that though um my, fantastic my favorite uh character growing up probably comic book was also batman and the reason why was because all the adversity he faced so he lost his both his parents uh, he also was, the bad guys were always very dark. Like there was not like a happy bad guy. Even the Joker was very violent. Um, and then also that he didn't have any super uh, powers, right? He, he was a billionaire, but he had to live this very flamboyant life during the day, but then he still sacrificed for the greater good at night with never receiving any uh, praise or, and if he received actually like the city not liked him. So I just love that no matter what, he had integrity. Yeah, man. And I mean, like, and again, I, always, I mean, if I was a damn delay, I know. <laughs> just go ahead, Brandon. I was going to say, uh, I mean, I was still into the comic books and stuff when I was a kid. Uh, I would say if I had to identify with one, it probably would have been Spider-Man as a kid because I was, you know, kind of smallish and, and a little on the nerdier side. So, uh, you know, I always appreciated that this this was someone that was, um, able to save the save the day and and tell kind of funny jokes as he did it and that was probably the yeah the guy I identified with a little bit more than the others. Yeah, man. And if you think about all these superheroes now that we're talking about it, I mean, Batman, death, lost his parents. Superman, you know, lost his parents. Uh, Spider Man lost his uncle. Like, I think that that they put that into those stories for a reason. I think death is just so powerful. It just you know it's it's so impactful because I think it's really hard for people, even if you're a uh, I mean, whether you're atheist, religious, I'm whatever, it doesn't matter. Even if you believe in an afterlife, people still don't like the thought of not living. You know, our brains really can't conceive it. It's kind of like thinking of uh, infinity. Can't really conceive of infinity. It's the same thing. I mean, when I, I mean, I feel like I believe in an afterlife or whatever, but I don't know. I don't want to die. You know, like so, it's real impactful when someone dies because they're just not here anymore. Like the thought of them not ever being around again is just so peculiar. You know. That's particularly when it's someone in your age group because um, that really kind of puts it in its perspective that, you know, in, in another timeline that could have been you. And like you said, we don't know what happens for sure after, a, after we die. And we like to think that there's an afterlife or this kind of perfect place where you go, you know, reunite with your friends and family. But who knows? I wanted to bring up one more story because we're getting down the, the very serious, the, probably the biggest question we all have was when I was like seven or eight, I actually had a suitcase and I threw rope in there 
and I threw peanut butter and I was pretending I was going to be Batman. Like the beauty of a child is that Dude. I don't know why I had peanut butter. The beauty of a child is that they have imagination. And I feel like my imagination has been more sparked recently with the projects I'm working with. And I think people forget to do that. Yeah. That's just a random thought. Well, when you're a kid, like I said, that we try to figure out where the peanut butter came from. The peanut butter? <laughs> just to eat, man. Like I'm pretty sure it was a rope and maybe like some socks or something. <laughs> like, you know, I was maybe seven. Was sticky. Sticky to make you climb or something. Yeah, I don't know. know. Protein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, man. But that's like the innocence of, of being a kid is like you, you dream and you can, you know, you think you can be Batman. You could be whatever. And then you kind of get older. And I, I guess I get the whole we live in reality. You got to have a job. But I think we stop kind of dreaming the same way you would dream as a kid. And that's what's kind of sad, you know. And, uh, and I also think that's how you can tie in like death. Like, when you die, you realize like, oh man, I don't know how much time I have. So if I'm just kicking rocks right now, I got to get a move on it. I got to do something with my life because this might be it. I don't know. Maybe next year is my last year. And so it kind of, at least for me, my perspective is like, I see that, or I see examples of people when they die. And I think like, man, maybe I should be that. I should tap into that inner innocence and, and child of mine and really dream and want to achieve those bigger goals you know, I mean, I still have a job. I live in reality. I get that too. But um, yeah, it's always, it's like anytime someone passes, it just, it really just, uh, it sits with me for at least a couple days. Cause I just really think on it, you know? Um, and I'm not the biggest like crier, I guess. Uh, I kind of take death in a weird way too. Like I'll get the information. Like when my student passed, a lot of people were, you know, really upset, which makes sense. But when they told me, I was kind of like, wow okay. But then I just kept thinking about it for like days and days. I was like, man, like this is nuts. Like, you know, it just made me really appreciative too. like to be able to call up a friend and have a good conversation, be able to come home to my fiance, give her a hug. Like those things become so much more meaningful when you have that concept of like, this thing is very temporary. You know, it's that, that it doesn't last forever. I think a lot of people live their lives. Like they're going to live forever. You know, it's like, when are you going to get a move on it? You know? This might be a good time to give a shout out to Tea Timer at the Reaper. That's a, that's a uh, throwback from like, I think it was one of their first 20 episodes. Yeah, it was. Um, and how he deals with grief and death. And um, there's a few things I adapt because I recently lost a person I know. Uh, again, I mean, we're best friends, but I've known her for 13 years. It was very unexpected. And, had, and uh, it, it's like made me very angry and agitated today because I found out yesterday. But it just makes me every time I talk to a family member, I always end the phone call with love you because I don't know if that's the last time I'll see them. I know that now, like, I don't have a ton of fear because I mean, the, the worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to end. And uh, Brandon, I for sure have seen a lot of death. I mean, he's seen a lot more than me with pediatric death and things like that. I think it just grounds you. Yeah. And also, I think it's important that people can delineate. Um an ER work friend from like someone that you sat in an office cubicle with, right? Cause these literally are more of like teammates and family. Like you're doing incredibly stressful things almost a hundred percent of the time with them and spending, you know, all these hours kind of debriefing on kind of for lack of better term, shitty stuff that you see. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, they, they literally like this is probably the equivalent of Frank's work mom at one point in his life like it's you literally get this close with some of these people that you kind of go to battle with it's almost more like kind of a military family yeah I like that because uh, you know in the emergency room especially or the ICU you see like the mo the worst things in the world and you get treated really bad and you're constantly stressed it's kind of like going through boot camp you build these like really tight-knit relationships that last forever and like i said i recently lost someone like a day ago that is died like 30 to 40 years too young and was one of the most sweet people ever was very supportive of the podcast very supportive of me um i knew her 13 years ago when i went to the fire academy and saw her again as a nurse and she's the same person from day one and um i don't know man it really affected me today i was very angry and agitated and sad i kind of like drew some tears on my way home uh, but it, she's, I mean, she is like the heart and soul of one of the hospitals I used to work at. And, um, it was very unexpected. So it just, I don't know. I, yeah. any, any time it can happen. It does. It does, man. And I won't name names. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but, um, you know, one of my best friends in the world growing up, very close to this family. I mean, I went to tons of family functions. I would consider his parents like great friends of mine too. Um, his mom was diagnosed a couple of years ago with breast cancer and, you know, crazy turmoils with cancer. You know, she, we, we thought she had beat it. She actually got a letter, you know, that you're in remission and, and all that. And, and then things took a turn for the worst. I don't really know all those, the finer details of it, but they don't really matter for the story. It's just that, you know, she wound up, uh, dying from, from the cancer very unexpectedly. I, it was seemed almost out of nowhere. And it was just, I remember getting that phone calls at work. Uh, we actually deliver meals to all our kids, families, whoever signs up for Thanksgiving. So if uh, any of our students don't have food or money for, for Thanksgiving dinner, we deliver them to them. So I'm getting ready to deliver meals. And my buddy just calls me crying that his mom passed and she was very young. She's only in her fifties. And, you know, I'm thinking he's my age. He's actually a year younger than me. I'm like, man, if I lost my mom right now, like, holy shit, that would be awful. And, uh, I just, it, it hit me like so hard. And the same time that his mom went through that, oop, almost lost my mic. The same time his mom went through that, um, his dad was diagnosed with cancer, very intense, um, aggressive cancer. And he's been fighting it really hard for the last, I think like 18 months. And uh, the latest news that I got was that they found another cancerous tumor on his body. And they told him like, hey, with basically with the way your health is right now, and, and we did a biopsy, really chemo is not going to be effective. You know, we could try it, but it's up to you. But if, you know, we can make you comfortable for this next two to four weeks. Uh, who knows? It's just a crystal ball at this point. And then he called me again and told me that news. I'm like, man, I feel like I just had this conversation with you about your mom. And now we're having the same one, almost the same one about your dad too. And again, he's young, you know, in his fifties and these things are they're just so unexpected. Like you just can't predict it. And I think cancer is almost even, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's not to say one death is weirder than the other, but cancer is so tricky, man. Cause it, it just, you can't tell, you know, how people are, how people are doing, you know, and you get mixed information and I don't know, man, it's just been real heavy. So this has been a heavy uh, week or two, you know, personally for me with, well, with the problem with cancer is there doesn't, you're, there's rarely a time where you, you feel relief. Right. Mm. So you get this, like a lot of times, terminal or like near terminal diagnosis and sometimes there's treatment sometimes there's chemo and and sometimes you get remission right but a lot of these cancers you never know for decades if you're truly cured 
So it's like, and it can come back at any time. So I think that's why it's kind of, it's, a, it's an incredibly weird, you know, illness and it's a terrible way to go. Cause I feel like you're never comfortable. And yeah. Cause I with, don't even mean pain wise. I just mean yep. psychologically. Yeah. With my buddy's mom, it was like that. We had this huge sigh of relief cause we thought, Oh, like, you know, she's better. Like, I don't know. And if you're not in the medical world and I don't understand these things, all I can think of is, okay, you sound you're giving me good news. I think you're okay. And then to just turn around and then three months later you pass and die from it. You know, it's, I think that's almost one of the worst parts of it is this roller coaster of emotions that you experience. Yeah. I, um, uh, we're going to have another podcast in September. It's going to be really good about prostate cancer. Uh, me and Brandon are going to do, but with a special guest, but I've lost a lot of family members to cancer. I lost my grandpa when I was, uh, nine prostate cancer, 72. My dad got cancer at 47. He's okay, prostate cancer. My, his Two of his sisters died before 50 of breast and colon cancer. And I went to a double casket funeral with my aunt and my grandma. So mom, daughter, and they died within a day of each other of different cancers. I mean, just it's hard to put a pulse on cancer. It's, um, it's hard to blame. I mean, you can be like, well, they smoked or, or, you know, oh, they didn't exercise. And then you get a 40, 40 year old, like the guy from Spartacus that dies of pancreatic cancer. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have an answer as a medical professional. We're just like, you know, and the treatments aren't good. It's, it's a horrible diagnosis. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in the same boat as you, Frank. I lost, um, three family members I think by the time I was 12 to lung cancer um uncle grandpa grandpa and uh yeah it's I mean I don't know how much you process when you're what eight or nine on the first one but I mean obviously when you're 12 and you see your grandpa kind of deteriorating he was a little bit older but I mean that's it's difficult to process um and just to correct I think the the Spartacus guy was leukemia that doesn't really matter um kind of looping back frank when you heard about um what, what was her name i'm sorry the, the lady that passed away that you worked with should i say her name i don't mind i was just curious like give her a like a I shout out oh, okay so her yeah, name is summer so. paul uh and um like i said it doesn't anyone that would have died at that that er would have been sad but what's so sad about her is just that she was the charge nurse so the best leader of nurses uh in the entire abrazo system so i'm i'm talking about quite a few nurses i worked at all the hospitals different floors so she she cared yeah. about the staff she cared about the patients she was so fun she loved her family she loved her grandkids she loves her daughters um that that just makes it so worse and you talk about a young 50 I mean, that, I mean, I'm guessing her age, I don't know, but I mean, she, she appeared healthy last time I saw her and then you just have something happen. And it's like, and then she was actually, you know, treated at one of the hospitals she works at. I mean, it's, it's traumatizing. I mean, just, and I love, I love her. Like, it's just, I wasn't expecting that news. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, when you process these things differently, like Eric is probably a little bit more like me where you just kind of have to sit and think about it for you know hours days kind of weeks and i would say the the most recent kind of tragic event we had was uh my wife lauren's father just passing suddenly um i was actually away out of town at a friend's wedding um and when i got lauren was you know busy chasing after our kiddo all weekend and when we got back we realized that we hadn't really heard from her dad but that was 
pretty normal for him. He'd go up north and, you know, send us like a text a few days later. Hey, did you guys miss me? I uh, didn't hear from you guys. And so I actually brought her over here now just to kind of, so she can talk about this kind of just pretty awful tragedy that was about two years ago now. If you guys don't mind, I'll turn it over to her. No, of course, we love Lauren. Definitely. Yeah. Hi, guys. Oh, I thought I light. There we go. Hey. Hi. So, hey, so yeah, um, pretty crazy event in my life. Uh, so my, my dad actually had, um, he had, you know, a slew of kind of health issues that he major though, just diabetes. Well, he had diabetes and he had had a heart attack. Oh yeah. I forgot to be a year prior to his death, but, um, yeah, so he, um, he was on and off pretty, you know, sick here and there, but like he would kind of, you know, he got a little bit like, I don't know, rebellious towards the end with his health where he would want, you know, to eat some fast food. He was an incredibly, incredibly intelligent man and thought that he was smarter than his diagnoses. Well, yes, he was so smart that, yeah, he almost overthought things too much. And so anyways, he, long story short, uh, brilliant, amazing man and person in my life, but um, he ended up, uh, we believe, what his actual diagnosis at the time of death was ketoacidosis from diabetes. Um, from diabetes. But what we think could have happened is that he kind of, you know, got a little loopy and dosed himself with too much insulin maybe towards the end um, and passed away, which um, I've been openly talked about it a lot. It's been really hard for me and it was my first major loss. I'd been lucky enough in my life to have grandparents, great grandma still alive, like just everyone in my family, um, you know, knock on wood, it was my first kind of major situation that we went through as a family. So it was tough. And then shortly after that, my, uh, my grandpa passed too. So it was just a couple months later. Um, so it was kind of a, a snowball effect of, of grief there for our family. So it was tough. Um, and I think the hardest part for us was that he, like my, like Brandon had said, we thought he was probably up north, and I think he was even planning on going up north because he had a bag packed kind of by the front door. Um, and he had turned his air conditioning off. He had turned his air conditioning off, which leads us to think that maybe he was even out the door for the weekend, um, and then this happened. But um, he he had been there for, they think, at least two days, which for us is probably the hardest thing that I've had to wrap my head around is that, man, you feel like just the worst daughter to not know that your dad was sitting, <laughs> passed away in his apartment for two days. Um, he and my mom were separated at the time. Very, it was very, very recent that they had gotten separated um, months uh, and they were planning on getting back together. Um, and on their anniversary, they were going to have the talk and they had both separately told me that they wanted to get back together. So um, it was kind of a crazy situation and a really, really traumatic one at that. The hardest part for me, even to this day, is that I didn't really get to say goodbye in any way, shape or form um, when they found him because this is, I apologize how graphic it is, but 
when they found him, it had the air had been off and it was warm and two days had gone by and his dog was in there with him. And they basically told the family it was best, they would suggest not seeing him in that condition. Um, and then my bad, dad being kind of the proud man he was, great man he was, he wouldn't have wanted us to kind of see him like that. I know that about him. So I never really got to say goodbye to him. And I think for me, that was the hardest part. And just feeling like there was something we could have done knowing his his medical problems and that like we knew he had problems with his diabetes and it just it just sat for a long time that none of us you know texted him just to say hi for several days or called him or anything like that you know until we kind of realized something was up in our defense it was just this really weird hectic weekend where brandon was out of town and i had um it, my, our daughter had scratched my cornea and I had like a severe corneal abrasion on my eye. Yeah. So I couldn't, Brandon was out of town and I couldn't even text him because I couldn't see my phone. <laughs> I had like this massive, um, I was wearing like a makeshift eye patch and a mm -hmm. contact band-aid. So it was just this weird weekend was, where yeah. I just was um, kind of had a commission that weekend. So Sorry to hear about that, Lauren. What, what, how would you just... Describe your relationship with your dad. My dad and I were very close. It probably wasn't the most traditional relationship between father and daughter because like my friends, my dad very much, um, he was so smart and such like a brainiac. And I taught him, he taught me so much of what I carried on. I can like, I am literally like the handyman of the house. Sometimes he's very handy, but I'm just saying if a lock's broken, I can fix it. If a, like, I know how to do all the things I can change a tire. I can, Brandon does all the things I ask him to. <laughs> That's no knock to him, but do you hang the farm doors. He taught me how to stand <laughs> <laughs> I did that. She's very, very self-sufficient. And I don't even want to say for a woman because she's more self-sufficient than a lot of guys I know. Yeah. Like I, my tires, you know, I can change a tire. I can jump a car, like all the things I can do. But the point being is that my dad taught me all those things. Like he was very much about setting me up for success for my life. Um, but were we the type that said, I love you at every turn? And you know, no, that wasn't really our relationship. That really wasn't him. Um, but he was a good man and I have, and he gave us a good life. And um, so that being said, like towards the end of his life, he definitely was struggling to find himself. Um, I think that he maybe retired a little too early. He kind of didn't, feel a strong sense of purpose in a lot of areas and so i think he kind of just um just was looking for things and i know that he was looking for his his new purpose and um so that was kind of hard to see him go through that and he was very much the type of person that kind of isolated himself when he was going through things like that if that makes sense so um instead of really reaching out yeah mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, it doesn't take away from any of the experience, but I like how you try to take an objective approach and just be like, what can we learn from this? What, what, did, what could I have done differently? I think the way you describe your dad, he sounds more traditional to that time period. You know, he reminds me of my grandparents, you know, a lot of times they work so hard and then they retire and they don't know what to do. Like they, they were never taught what to do after they retire. They weren't taught to do anything else. And it was, 
you know, a lot of them kind of like they do lose that purpose, you know, and then he had his marriage not in the best shape and stuff like that. So I think that makes it a little more sad, but then it makes you reflect on you guys. It's like, that's why, I don't know if that's what's changed, maybe some of your passions and why you're doing so much for giving back and the way you raise your girls. I think that's a nice way to like turn this negative event into just some positive light. Yeah, and I think that my my last interaction with my dad was very positive. He was like, he wanted to start a restaurant with us. Like, he was an idea <laughs> guy. Like, he loved to throw ideas out He's there. He's definitely a tinkerer and, like, just wanted projects. And I think we both kind of honor him through our various activities and projects that we constantly have. Oh, Brandon is such so an many, idea like, guy. There's traditions now that I <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's so many little traditions now that I'm like, man, my dad would have loved this. Or like, yeah. we'll watch Star Wars. They're one of his, you know, favorites. And we'll be like, man, and I wish dad was here to like see this or, you know, so you, there are ways that these things carry on. And you're right. I definitely learned a lot from the way that, that everything kind of happened with him and unfolded because I was very much in a spot of trying to make sure that my family was taken care of and you can get so involved in your little bubble, you know, my immediate family, my kids and my husband, and, and you can get so in your little bubble that you forget to, um, to reach out. And I think that's really important right now. And especially in times of COVID is that so many people are isolated right now. And I think if I could give any message right now, it would be all these people who are isolated and, elderly people who live by themselves who don't want to be around people and normally are like depression is going to really set in and become a huge issue um, and mental said. health in general and so thank you and so I, I really think that that's what I would love to push um from all this is just to keep an eye on the people that you know are by themselves right now and continue to check in on them and and zoom call them or drop things off at their door, whatever you can do to maintain that contact so you don't have that situation I had. I actually, uh, I did a hospice rotation during my nursing clinical and the saddest thing I saw was not death. It was how lonely they were. And then I actually volunteered uh, for the hospice company for a while. And it was just so sad to see how, how lonely they were. Uh, we're taught as nurses to like hold their hand, give them a hug. Now we can't do any of that. Um, and you're just, you know, loneliness, especially in these nursing homes and stuff like that. I know that the answers to COVID are tough, but it's just loneliness is a huge issue and it's related to so many that issue, deaths and stuff. That, I was just saying, that issue is like 10, tenfolds worse now with COVID. You can't have family visitors at all. And, um, it's actually one of the reasons why me and a, a friend of mine developed this kind of medical device that we're bringing to market here. I think we're about two weeks out. So it's going to hopefully allow end-of-life care stuff like uh you know family visits and whatnot yeah that, that's actually a really good transition is that i mean lauren you talked about how you weren't able to see your dad kind of at that point brandon and i have been part of a lot of codes and one of the main things we do which is bring in the family um that is such a closing message yeah. just showing that we gave everything we we got there's a lot of times that we know they're dead we know they're gone but we're going to work our butt off and make sure that that family gets that last you know 30 minute experience and I think that really provides like a, a start in the grief process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of kind of end of life is um, 
glorified almost maybe that's probably not the right word in, in movies and tv shows where you, you see people do cpr and um magic that they take this big inhale and they they sit up and they start talking to you again you know obviously it's it's not like that you break their chest you break their sternum you inflict pain and damage on this human being you're trying to save and sometimes it is these 85 90 year old little grandmas that it's not going to go well and the way to kind of show that to a family member is for them to to visualize kind of the almost brutality of what a, a code actually is yeah it's hard i go back and forth on that moment of where the police officer said you guys can see him if you want to but i wouldn't suggest it and there's this part of me that just is always like i should have just bit it i should have just like bit the bullet and gone in and looked at him and like seen him just so that I could have that closure of like, you almost don't believe it's true until you see it, you know? And so not having that, I mean, I'm still glad I made the choice I made because I know my dad, I hear his voice in my head, like, I don't want you to see me like this, but it's really hard to sometimes, I sometimes I open my cell phone and I go to call him. Like, <laughs> that's how unreal it is when you don't actually see that person at the end of their life, so. Um, it's really hard. I think this is also a good transition when you brought up COVID and that no matter what, and a lot of people like to be right or have their opinion or be on the, the side they want to be on, but no matter what death is comes from COVID or any death, it's a sad death. And I think no matter what, like it doesn't matter if they wore a mask, didn't wear a mask. It doesn't matter if they wore a seatbelt, didn't wear a seatbelt. You know, if they took care of themselves, didn't take care of themselves, they still died. And at least recognize that and have the empathy because I've seen me and Brandon talk about this and Eric like there's no there's not there's a lot of lack of empathy on social media and with some of these things and it's it's sad. Yeah, the graphs that show um, kind of the amount of people that are over 65 or with X and Y comorbidities like the amount of people that show these graphs say, oh, it's it's not that big of a deal because everyone that dies, you know, almost everyone that dies has this and that, not really taking into account that still that's someone's grandma or grandpa that probably still had plenty of good years left and now isn't going to be able to see their great-grandchild born, you know, like that's, yeah, there's a lack of empathy. Like it doesn't matter if they had these comorbidities and, and you know, years of maybe not taking care of themselves, it's still a human. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I think it was Joseph Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. And that's kind of what this whole thing's turned into is just us talking about numbers and statistics and every single number and statistic is a human. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, even when people say, well, it's only this or it's only that or it's, it doesn't matter. Like these are just people, you know, and every single, every single number in that stat, someone was affected in like a very impactful way. So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, man. It's 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 just really sad. And death is such a tragic thing. And I'm glad you brought up that, you know, it's it's it can be glorified in movies, but it's not. I mean, death in real life is disgust it's horrible. It's just death. It's brutal. People don't die with their eyes closed with music playing, you know. <laughs> There's some awful things that happen and you don't get to have that moment where you hold them and give them a one last kiss and one last, you know, a good one liner. It's like, it's situations like the one you just experienced where you have a police officer telling you, I mean, you can, if you want, but I suggest you don't, it's like, it's that bad. You know, and that's what death really is. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that, right? So 
my grandmother was probably the most dear to me human being growing up. Um, my mom had me when she was 19. My dad moved to Michigan. So my grandmother had just a massive, massive role in raising me. She was just a wonderful human being. And then when I was, uh, I want to say about 20, she was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, originally they thought she had like just torn, um, her rotator cuff and that's why her shoulders weren't working. She was an avid tennis player and suddenly just couldn't play anymore. Um, and then all of a sudden it was her other shoulder. So then that's when kind of shit hit the fan and they realized what was going on. And it was a pretty rapid deterioration from there, from like the kind of robust woman that I knew growing up. And, um, she remained positive throughout everything was fine. Everything was, you know, meant to be, but just to your point about how, you know, death in, in movies isn't gloried. Um, she actually did get to die with all of her family all around her and she got to say goodbye to everybody. And literally we're all sitting in her, in her living room and she passed in her bed. And <laughs> so this good, is man. obviously not, um, not the norm. Um, but it does happen and it still sucks just as fucking bad mm-hmm. as, uh, as, as finding your dad in an apartment, you know, yeah. passed away. it's still, it's still really rough. Yeah. That's why I never like I never judge anyone's levels of grief because I feel like, you know, people are like, I feel bad even talking about this after what you went through with your dad. And I'm like, don't like grief is a very real thing, no matter what level it is or ma- no matter what the situation is. Right. And um, it's funny because my best friend and I have had this conversation that you know, once you've been through something like the loss of a parent, you know, at a younger age and things like that. Um, it definitely does like almost numb you to a lot of other things, you know, that might happen. But at the same time, every, I truly believe every person's level of grief is very real. And I, I think that as a society, we should never judge or say, oh, well, how can that person care about their friend's friend, friend who passed away? And I went through what I went through. It's like, no, grief is grief and a life is a life, right? Right. Frank, you're muted. Yep. Hey, good call. Good call. I'm back. I am back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I was just a gnarly delay. Yeah, that was funny. No, um, <laughs> man, I'm so glad Lauren's on. By the way, uh, shout out to her for being our marketer and branding expert. That's why it's going to look a lot better than just a couple dudes and a couple of uh, paint tools on your computer. So, um, I, I do think it's good to have the emotional fortitude and intelligence to understand that everyone's different and that, you know, grief, even animals, you know, I'm not the most animal person, but I know someone that uh, attach a lot of emotion to dogs and I don't understand it necessarily. I was kind of raised farm style, but even that, I mean, I try to give empathy to them when you see that they're upset in the clinic, like they just lost a cat, lost a cat or dog. Maybe they had no family. So that animal was the family. I don't know. I'm trying to expand my empathy as much as I can because I am a stoic man, kind of. I think you're right. That you're right on point there. And, I'm, you know, I just think that that we're in a very judgmental time for some reason. And it's like it needs to go the exact opposite direction where people need to just be like, you know, feel what you need to feel right now. And that goes back to this whole mental health reality of what we're going through and going to be going through for the next 10 plus years just kind of PTSD from COVID in general and what people have gone through. So I think that we all just need to understand that 
empathy is key right now. Everyone values things differently and everyone processes hardship differently. So I think it's right in line with what Lauren's saying. You just gotta realize that your neighbor's not the same as you. Hey, Brandon, when you educate patients, I used to, or this is how I used to preface like vaccines or even the mask. You know, a lot of people say they don't wanna wear it or do vaccines, they say that's fine. But I said, you know, it's not really about you because you're 25 and healthy. It's about the older lady or the young kid that has comorbidities. It's about the kid that has leukemia, PCH, that can't get a virus because they won't make it. And I just think that like that answer is, is the most empathy. You know, I, I, there's still people to this day, I went to a restaurant the other day, he just tried not to wear his mask. I go, why don't you just, just wear it? You know, it's just like, you just want to like grab them and like, what are you doing? Like you're causing more issue. Just wear it and have a heart. That's, that's yeah, the amount of the videos that we've seen on YouTube of grown ass men throwing tantrums in stores or Costco's or restaurants and getting literally escorted out by three or four security guards and screaming about their liberties is just, it's unbelievable. And at the same time, they have TikTok. You know, it's like, it's, it's very <laughs> hypocritical. I'm like, you're, you know, China knows everything about you, but you, you care about a mask in public, which by the way, I think surgical masks have very productive things like social anxiety. I feel no anxiety going to the grocery store at all. No one's going to recognize me. No one's going to say hi. I just go get my, you know, ground beef and get out. <laughs> I mean, I bought one from Nordstrom's the other day. It was cute. It's like a new fashion accessory, right? It's, it's kind of part of my outfit now. Move it forward. It can hide the fact that I got a pixie cut when I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, see, there's positives. That's another story. There's positives. Or like on That's The Bachelor, story. right? On The Bachelor, maybe I'll get on someday. Like maybe first date you wear a mask, but the second you wear like a skinnier mask. And then the third one is when you really reveal yourself, right? Like, I don't know, maybe we can make this a game. Or maybe it like stops people from like making out on the first date and they actually oh, have to get good. to know each other. Good call. It's yep. like a chastity belt. That. <laughs> <laughs> your tongue. <laughs> Did you know See, there was... We're finding the positives. <laughs> there was someone that said, wear a mask during uh, sexual relations. I thought it was a health thing. I, I don't know if maybe it was just Facebook, but I, th I thought I, I saw that it. was an onion thing, man. Was I it just like a conspiracy? Onion. Oh, okay. The onion? <laughs> the onion? No. It made me laugh. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Oh, okay. I think they're, yeah, they're trolling. Okay, it made me laugh though. I could picture like two people. I'm like, I'm like, how was a baby made with masks? You know, like it just, I don't know. With the, uh, it made me laugh. Yeah, that's it's kind of weird to think about it. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, other physicians, I guess. Honestly, I, actually, that that opens up a really interesting topic because I have some friends who are single right now who are dating, oh. um, like on Tinder and whatnot. Like and me? it's like a whole nother like level. Me? Like usually, yeah. But are you are you actively <laughs> dating? Like, me? are you going out and seeing people? Because it's like it's so funny. Because she's I mean, I like, just... she's like, okay, yeah, you you check up all the lists, whatever. But the second thing is like, have you been anywhere in the last fourteen days? Because I don't want to hang out with you. I yeah, I like you, but not that much. It's a tough environment for dating a little bit. But I feel like if the notebook. That, you know, if he can get through war, get through Alzheimer's and still love his wife, I'm not going to let COVID stop love, you know, and maybe this is the start mm -hmm. of my bachelor pitch, but, you know, I'll wear a mask <laughs> to get to my table and get coffee and a drink, you know, like, why not? You never know. 
See, the real question was, how do you yeah, date during a shutdown? Teledates? I, I'm glad the podcast helps because I'm good with the communication. But maybe I don't know what to do with my hands, like Anchorman. Or what was that, Bob, Ricky Bobby, where he doesn't know what to do with his hands? Tell you guys. All right, real good. Yeah. I feel like... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like maybe though, because Brandon and I were long distance for a year and a half, pretty much right away in our relationship. So it's oh, like, wow. you can do it. And actually, look at us, we're married now. Like we actually got to know each other instead of like jumping straight into the physical stuff, like right away and not actually learning about each other. So I, I think that's um, such a good point. It kind of worked. That's such a good point. Because, you know, yeah. when you have the physical, so I used to lead my relationships from the ground up, if you can imagine, right? So, and now I'm starting to lead with my brain and my heart. So like, it's not just physical right away, right? I'm not searching for reality TV. I'm trying to find a life partner. So I'm trying to be like, oh, this, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to get on the <laughs> bachelor. So I'm a loving guy, right? Mike, hashtag uh, Mike Johnson, trying to get him on. But uh yeah, I think that is really important that you guys really get to build a friendship and like really understand like the pros and cons of each other and a year and a half long distance. That's a testament and why you guys are probably so happy and work well. Yeah, and, and it's like we really know each other to the core and I'm a big proponent of like person that you meet for the rest of you that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. You should have so many things in common with them and know their their faults and love them regardless and not expect to change them and all of these amazing things that you can only find out that is going to work if you actually talk to them instead of just getting all love struck and bubbly and you know into the physical side of what love can be that comes and honestly what's i mean this is way tmi but that it gets more intense and better <laughs> the more in love you fall right and so it's like that is to me the key to a successful marriage almost is really that that pre-period where you're getting to know that person i mean you're putting in the groundwork right you're, you're writing you're writing an outline uh to the book you know you're writing the brain map you're doing all this stuff so that when you put the words on paper i mean it just naturally flows right i mean you guys did the hard work and now you have i mean i could just tell i mean i'm not I'm not the closest to you guys, but I mean, you guys are business partners. You guys are best friends, your husband, wife, your co-parents. I mean, just, you are literally the partnership that everyone looks for because you, neither one of you would mess that up because you guys are each other's life. And I mean, that, that's what a relationship should be. It puts up with me, man. Yeah. I mean, it puts up with Brandon. I mean, God, dude, <laughs> how many hats does he have? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we play this game called hat and go seek if you're talking about actual hat no i think at this point he's talking about business type oh, hats okay. all the crap so i was going. like he but i have hats. actually probably dozens of like physical hats that's what i was meaning that's what i was meaning drives her fucking crazy <laughs> yeah, it's like call, how many brand hat hats do you have everywhere <laughs> i call it hat and go seek throughout i'm cleaning up at the end of the day and i'm like hat 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 usually it's like shoes no well it's shoes too shoes too yeah <laughs> I'm going to come over and just That's throw like random teams. Like I'm going to throw like Atlanta Braves in the corner and then throw like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the corner and just throw you off and be like, whose head is that? Spurs and Lakers teams? are not allowed. Anyone else in? <laughs> Spurs and Lakers. Cowboys. You guys That's are funny. not allowed. Oh man, I can't but wait to throw. true though. Uh, 
back on the you know back on the topic it's very true that like that groundwork is everything and i think that that's something people could grasp onto with covid is like hey let's do a teledate let's talk on the phone let's get to know each other not only will it help you avoid catfishing i guess because you'll know what you're guessing this yeah, was quite the detour we took I'm, it is I'm quite sorry, the detour but, but if we wrap it together <laughs> i think we talked a lot about death i think something that's really important is like life so you know when we have yeah. death we also have life right and we have birth and we have kids growing up we still have innocent kids that like need that good environment um we still have like a reason for relationships to maybe rekindle you know how many marriages have neglected each other not on purpose it's just that we were so busy prior to covid now it's the time to be like hey look this is why we fell in love this is why i still love you what can we do to build our relationship and family even stronger and I think, Frank, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but one of my favorite lines ever in any movie comes from Step Brothers. And I think it was even one of the outtakes, like that wasn't even used in the actual movie proper. It's when uh, Dale's dad does the whole speech about never losing your dinosaur. Do you remember that? I think I do. I wasn't the biggest oh, yeah, Step Brothers fan, but so, I, yeah. So essentially, essentially he says when he was a boy, he wanted to be a dinosaur. That was his childhood dream. And of course, Brennan and Dale are like, well, you're a man, you can't be a dinosaur. And he would reenact all the things he did as a dinosaur. And then he realized one day he had to grow up and be an adult. And he was sad that he lost his dinosaur, which was his childhood dream and was urging uh, Brennan and Dale to pursue their, their dreams. And I think it was the music entertainment business as their childhood dreams or their dinosaur. So when we're talking about living life, for some reason, that is always the first thing I, I think of is never lose your dinosaur. As ridiculous as that sounds. No, like we brought that up at the beginning was like how many people stop dreaming and imagining like those are the happiest people because that's all kids do. They don't know how to run a budget. They don't know how to do chores all the time. All they're doing is living in this imagination. And I'm sure you see that with your daughters. Like it's got to be so like delightful to see them. Like they don't know COVID's going on. You know, it hasn't changed for them. They're, they're just living and they're like, you know, they may wear a mask and just be like, whatever, but they're still going to play around, have imagination. I think adults like need to remember some of that because we, we stick too much to, I don't know, the news, I guess, or other things that bring us down. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting though, because I really have seen like most of, a lot of my friends really become very innovative and you're right. They've taken their dreams and made them a reality because I feel like COVID was very much a reality check for people to say like, how can I improve my life? How can I, like, you know, when you're stuck to think and you're stuck in your house and you're just thinking and dwelling, like, you know, you either innovate or you struggle, you know, and, or you become closer with your family or the opposite, right? So like, you know, you have to, this is going to have an, an interesting effect on families and people in general, but we've seen our friends really innovate and, and we step innovated. up. And we innovate, you know, <laughs> and I think we've gotten closer, you know, so um, I think it can go either way. And I'm, you know. And I think you saw that, what we just did there, that's an innovated high five when you're sitting next to each other. You don't have to turn and do a weird high five. It's just minimal, minimal uh, energy exertion there. Yes, it's also probably good for COVID because you don't actually. Oh yeah, like back of the hand. Yeah, hands. that's good. Anyway. Yeah, COVID safe. COVID safe. Um, yeah. Man, this is a good podcast. This is a good one. I'm so glad Lauren just hopped on like no biggie. Like, hey, she's just one of the dudes, one of the dudettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting too because she. Um, 
rarely talks about her dad. So obviously when it first happened, we, we talked about it a lot and um, kind of since then she really hasn't, um, I guess, dived deep into kind of some of these feelings and the regrets she has and, and that sort of stuff. So I think this is good for her. Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to, cause I'm very open about emotions and I'm a very huge proponent that we should all be open about things we've been through. We only learn from it, but um, I think it's just a, no one ever asks except for you know the people i tell but no you know i don't have those conversations often yeah. i i think these are the conversations people are dying for though and they're the conversations we're willing to have because um you know i lost someone recently and i think one of the first things i want to do is talk to people i care about i care about all three of you and it's just nice to be able to hear like some positive feedback we get from the show and then maybe it gives them an example or a reason to talk about their their grief, right? A lot of people don't grieve. They substitute grief for, I don't know, whether it's medications, right? We push medications now for grief, which is kind of sad. We push, you know, drugs, alcohol, other types of highs or substitutions oh. instead yeah, of like actually grieving. It, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right that, you know, you can turn to things to try to, to, silence it right and that's where alcohol abuse and drug yeah. abuse and all of those things it's come into play and instead of self-reflecting so yeah i think i think being open about mental health and letting it be okay and that's why that's here's my marketing plug that's why i love your podcast because i feel like especially men and you said this in a, another one of your podcasts they feel like it's not okay to be vulnerable it's not okay to talk about the fact that they've been stuck in their apartment and they're depressed it's not okay to you know all of these things and i think that men especially and women all need to, to know that it's okay to reach out it's okay to talk to people and it's okay to be vulnerable right now especially now in what everyone's going through right now yeah i think that's that's beautifully said again lauren i think lauren speaks better than brandon is she our oh yeah like she's not even close <laughs> yeah. i get a thought and like six thousand words tumble out of my mouth and it's only like sometimes coherent and then uh, brand is the know, color the, the color commentator another half of the word. yeah dude I am know i the new um addition to just a couple dudes yeah welcome on board i can be a dude yeah, you you're a dudette. You're a dude. So does that you're mean in like dude. the last four podcasts we we invited Russ on and now Lauren? So I I guess there's five of us now. Oh, yeah, five. yeah, I know, right? We're gonna have just a family of dudes. <laughs> Instead of bringing on guests, we just talk to each other. That's what we normally do. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes these are the best episodes, though. People really don't always want guests, so because there's no agenda, it's just really about talk. You know, I was talking about our life. Um, we've had that in the past because I don't know, like. When I listen to podcasts too, it's the real conversations I crave. I mean, I think the best reality TV is reality. Like it's not on TV. Or The know? Bachelor. Yeah, so well, <laughs> other, other than Survivor and The Bachelor, shout out to two contestants here that we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I think Eric, that's a good- uh, you on a reality show? Yeah. A reality show, I know. I don't even know which one I'd be on. I'd kind of want to be on one of those cooking shows. Can you be yeah, on I the Lava cook. Show? The Lava Show? <laughs> Netflix? The Lava? I don't even know what that one is. You haven't seen that one? The Lava uh, one? Like Escape the Lava or something? I just like want Gordon Ramsay. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, or like, Sean, or what's his name? John Tafferty or Sean Tafferty? The, the guy who goes to restaurants and he tells them that like, he's like, everything's wrong and he just tells them how to make their restaurant better. 
you need to own a restaurant though to yeah i'll just dream i'll do like a lemonade stand i don't know i just want him to yell at me just it would be fun i think it's a great time <laughs> to open a restaurant effort yeah um there's a new sale for restaurants with 50 percent <laughs> being shut down so um i don't know i'm trying to be positive here commercial real estate's going down so hey i put on facebook i got a really yeah, good business business plan it's just uh everyone coming together watching movies together we'll serve some popcorn and some some soda i think people are really craving that <laughs> we could call it a theater yeah. you know it's actually yeah. an airplane themed restaurant you take an old airplane you you serve the food in there you of, know? of like the airplane food yeah the airplane food like mm. the little individual gross yes okay yeah. and you just pack as many people in there as you can but if it's an airplane, you're going to have to drag someone out because that's all I see on Facebook is that you have to drag someone out for not following directions yeah. or something. That's all I'll I know. knock you out I'm cold. Like, I'm like, I'm always waiting for that on a plane ride. You know, guys, like, who's though, that I'm person? Not gonna I'm not going to lie. I get, a little, I get a little frustrated even when someone's wearing a mask and they're just hacking up a storm. And you're like, get out of here. What are you doing in public right now? Like that, that, or someone no, has bowel okay. issues, and so it I, doesn't matter how much they flush, they get that tight area. There's no, you can't get rid of that smell. You'd have to, you'd have to like <laughs> put the back end, you know. And it's like, what the? Why'd you eat vegan food this morning? You know, like what was going on here? I haven't been on a plane in mm -hmm. a long time. Have you guys been on a plane during the COVID stuff? No. no. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how. Like, is it empty or is it not empty? Is it still packed? We're uh, supposed to go in five weeks to my best friend from high school who we're going to have on here as a guest coming up uh, his wedding, uh, mm. which I don't think we're going to go, which kind of is a bummer because mm. he was one of my groomsmen. But... It might be that person on the airplane that's just like wrapped in bubble wrap and you have a like straws. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll Just see. steal some stuff from the hospital. You know, get that get that good quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just wear that like paper yellow shit, right? With these like masks, we have to reuse. Like we don't have yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, you know who it's has like better stuff? Painters. You know who has better stuff? Painters. I look at patients oh, yeah. all the time. Like you have a better mask than me, man. Like what the? You have better uh, safety glasses than me. Like what's going? on? Our schools now. We we're getting shipments of all sorts of stuff. Yeah, good for you guys. I'm so glad that awesome. you guys have, you know, I just walk in with my blue light blockers on and my regular surgical mask and hold my breath. That's what I do. <gasps> yeah. You hold your breath your whole shift. <laughs> yeah, it only like, works for just, a few minutes. Yeah, I know. Then he leaves and goes on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I know. That is true. That was, that was nice. Frank <laughs> did an entire oh, podcast with me uh, a few nights ago and, and only missed about the last 45 seconds. Wasn't that cool? Like, that's talking about utilizing your, your time, yeah, you know? I was like, all right, I'll come on. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a bunch to um, shout out to because we have so much going on now. We have the jacked store www.jackedpod.com thanks to brandon getting the shirt up there what is it called rona what is it what is it called so rona. a guest that we're gonna have on in a couple of weeks uh his name is dr steve sample was on msnbc after the axios um interview with trump about reading the manual on uh on the coronavirus and not to say anything ill about our president but he he then uh 
Dr. Sample, that is, went on MSNBC with Brian Williams and, and had a fake manual, and it was called How to Rona by Science. Uh, so we're having him on in a couple of weeks. So we made some shirts in his honor. We're, we're donating the proceeds to St. Jude's. Uh, so if you're interested, you can hop on and, uh, and, and buy one. And I think, I think we're already at, are we at 40 plus shirts, Brandon? Like today? Uh, 60 plus. Oh, wow. So day one, not even a full day, we're at 60 plus shirts, our first shirt. And a lot, of proceeds, yeah, a lot of the proceeds go to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So, I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. Like it, it's, we're walking the walk, what our, what our podcast is about. Again, none of us are getting paid from this. Um, we're taking out of our free time. Brandon's very busy. Eric is saving the students out there right now on the front lines more than me and Brandon. Like I can't imagine being in the school environment right now. And then you have Lauren, that's a mom. She's our marketer, a brander, and she's holding the freaking team together, you know, behind the scenes. So everyone's busy we haven't made a dime from this but we are already giving back which seriously like fills my heart up and apparently we have an intern now oh yeah dude so we have an intern uh i had a guy reach out to me in the air force his son <laughs> just graduated school and he's like hey you know i got this guy that's looking for a project a lot of guys have website designers they try to build the resume i said hey man look uh, if you get on this, this is a great product, low expectations. We're here to help you. We're not going to abuse or use you. We want you to get something out of this too, so we can promote you and your work. And the mission is something that everyone can agree on. I haven't heard one person not agree with pushing good role models, which is not only men now, it's going to be women like Lauren and just bringing people together and bringing some positive information and then also giving back to these awesome organizations. So follow us on Twitter, Jackpot, we are very avid Suns fans. Um, you'll see that from me and Brandon because we're both involved. Um, you'll see us on the uh, just a couple of Nash, though, <laughs> yeah, for, I feel bad for Nash. She got dogged again. Uh, and then the YouTube channel, which we have like 13 subscribers. I want that at 100 real fast. <laughs> and then we have uh, Instagram, Facebook, which we're very involved with. So I think in the next six months, I mean, we're going to see some big big changes that this vision and mission that Eric and I started originally just kind of just two dudes. And then now we have like a family of dudes. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. I think that's a good place to, uh, to land this one, I guess. And uh, so like Frank said, go ahead and check us out on uh, jackpod.com, J A K D P O D.com. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all the platforms. Brandon Frank are super active on Twitter. So if you go ahead and message us on Twitter, you'll get a response too. And uh, Brandon, do you have any closing statements? No, I've just, uh, it's, it's been really fun uh, hopping on here over the last few weeks and, and, and getting this ball rolling. I really enjoy the message and I've enjoyed just kind of chatting with you guys. And, uh, and I hope that uh, we can kind of spread this message. It's been, I think, kind of a fantastic little run we're on big time yeah man. we uh we we had brandon for like two weeks we already have a t-shirt i mean brandon like i don't know what he is if he worked on the red carpet prior twitter. <laughs> like and we have a twitter really fast i didn't never wanted one and i love twitter i am just like that's my favorite app right now because i'm so jazzed about it <laughs> i do right. have a quote real quick can we end it yeah that? Go for so, it. Yep. so i looked this up earlier it yeah. says the, the value of life is not in the length of days, but in the use we make of them. 
and that was Michael de Montaigne, Lord of Montaigne, a great French philosopher from the 1500s. So I just think of like what that guy was thinking about back then. That's before TikTok. That's before iPhone 11 Max. And he's still having these deep thoughts. And there was people like that back then. So I like that. That's a good one. Daddy quotes. A lot more. Frank always got the quotes. But all right, guys. So we'll see you. We'll see you later for another episode of Just a Couple Dudes. Yep. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to another can't miss episode of Just a Couple Dudes or Jacked Podcast. We're new on Twitter, so please give us a follow at, at JAKDPod. On Instagram, you can follow us at JAKD underscore podcast. And we have a new YouTube channel set up at Just a Couple Dudes, and that's couple with a K. We also have a website, JAKDPOD.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow, check out our website. And tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks. Mm-hmm.